Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redux Bacephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriot Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you tonight and every night, and days and mornings as well, by Deadly Grounds Coffee, coffee to die for. I am your host, Parasite Steve, aka Steve Van Sampson, and I am cohortless again tonight. But that's okay, because this is an episode of The Brig. And we have a really, really great guest for you guys tonight. Um, Guys, I love, you know, one of my favorite things about having this show is I get to have not just cool people, but like, like cool people I'm friends with on. Because like, I know they're cool, but you guys need to also know that they're cool. So after this episode, you will once, once again be introduced to somebody super cool in case you already knew her. Like maybe, maybe your, maybe your introduction is to me. Maybe you have no idea. You're like a, you're like a friend of this guest and you're like, I, I already know she's awesome. Like, I don't know who the heck you are, but you won't introduce her. You're really like dragging this out. I don't know if I'm going to listen to another episode because you're really dragging this out like big time, like shot up and introduce the guest already. So here I, here it is. Here it is. <clears throat> okay. This weekend, the brig. We have a true Renaissance woman, an actress, novelist, stunt woman, and martial artist who can currently be seen performing as the fan favorite Lenore on PNN. PNN, that's the Parody News Network. Uh, it's a web series on YouTube for those not in the know, and you should go check it out because it's awesome. She also happens to be the author of eight novels. If I've done my math correctly, it might be a different number. Sometimes numbers are hard. That span the genres of mystery, horror, westerns, and beyond. Why? <clears throat> I know you're expecting me to say the name now, and I'm just trying to drag it out more because now, now it's a thing for me. Now I get off on it. Uh, it's none other than my friend Killarney Trainer. Hello, thank you for having me in this. Killarney, <laughs> how are you? Well, you know, <laughs> I'm doing well. Probably better than you uh, downstairs. You know, uh, I was gonna. Because, you know, be it that you're a friend, I was going to, like, put the lights on. But I well, I just don't you know, feel like it. I appreciate that you didn't put the lights on. It, it helps me from seeing the rats and the other small things that keep skittering around in here. Yeah. Yeah, there are yeah. things that scurry. And let's just, for the sake of argument, uh, let's just say that they're rats. Let's yeah, I mean, it it's, it's the, not the scurrying that I mind. It's more the nibbling. But, um, you know, I'm trying to. Yeah, you know, make do my best to make friends with them. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm sure they do too. So thanks for being a trooper and letting us throw you down there. Um, 
It's your first time on the show. I've actually been on your show before. I don't believe that show's around anymore, but uh, that was that was like right at the pandemic, and that was a really yeah. fun. Uh, I had a really fun time. Um, we we met actually at a con. Um, yes. I think it was Super Mega Fest. And yes, that was probably was. like right before the world shut down. I think that was 2019. I think we had. I think to do that might have been the last COVID. con I did. <laughs> it had nothing to do right. with COVID. I swear. <laughs> but it was a very good time. <laughs> it was a good time. We had a we had a good time at that. Uh, I, I love I love the place that that particular con happens to be at. It's this really cool Sheraton, and uh, it's just a great great venue. I think for a con, but anyway. So you're here to talk primarily about your books and you have a new audio book out and you are working on various things at once because you are, as I said, a Renaissance woman, you are multifaceted, multi-talented. You dip your toes into every possible creative pool that there is, I think. Um, so before we dive into it, so you, you, this is something I know about you only because of the internet. Because, uh, so you, you actually come from a pretty large family. Yes, I have eight brothers and two sisters. So, and I think we're getting up to 10 nieces and nephews. I think Jeez. I haven't counted. <laughs> so yeah, so pretty large. pretty large, pretty large family. And I also happen to know that many of your siblings are also creative types, right? Like it's not yeah. just you, you kind of come from a very creative family. Yeah, yeah. Um, my brother does a lot of filmmaking. One, my other brother is a martial artist. Um, my sister helps write. I have another sister who's into fashion design and drawing. So yeah, we've got we've got a lot of interests. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So how, like, what was your first, you know, your first creative love? Because you just do it all, like I said. So, you know, were you like an artist? Were you and you know, into acting, writing, like what was, what, what kind of got you started? Um, definitely writing. Um, I started writing when I was like six or seven. I wrote a story about like, I think dinosaurs that lived in a tree or something like that. Um, I did illustrate it myself. It was not a hit, um, <laughs> but I started writing because when I read, I realized I got lost in the book and I would, I, I first thought it was magic. Then I realized I could replicate the magic maybe if I learned how to write well enough. And I've been trying to like recreate that sensation ever since. So. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. I think, I think reading is magic. I think it is. Yeah, I think it it is. takes you yeah. away. And, and the great thing about it is, you know, more than the oh. visual medias mediums, like, you know, filmmaking, you're requiring more of the audience you're requiring more of themselves to be put into the experience. Yes. Um, yeah. They're, they're creating the movie. You're, you're helping, but really it's happening in their head. So it is something that is, uh, it's, I think it's a very personal thing. And, you know, a lot of art is this way, but when the creator and the person who appreciates it meet, there's usually like, you know, a, the, it's a very personal thing. You feel connected, you know, the, the audience can feel connected in a way to, to the creator of whatever it is. That's why we love movie stars, you know, same sort oh, of thing, exactly. and musicians and stuff like that. Um, but it is, it is kind of a magical thing. It's really cool. Yeah. I feel like um, 
reading especially it's very much it's almost the most uh interaction between the audience and the writer mm. uh almost more than like like plays or dances or something like that because the reader really has to do a lot of work so it's very even though the writer is like usually alone in a dungeon writing by themselves the the actual act of reading is a collaboration between the writer and the reader which makes it i think a really interesting challenge to try to say what i want to say and get it across yeah. to someone i don't even know um, absolutely absolutely and um you know what i think is really cool about um about you is that you sort of you you write so many genres that you it's like it's hard to put you into a box i mean you do like dance around that uh, horror mystery uh, spooky yeah. uh but also other stuff you know it, it seems like you're not one who's worried about like oh no i have to only write one type of thing because that's what's expected of me or whatever you're just gonna do what yeah. you want to do right <laughs> i know i've had a lot of well, many people say you really should do a series or you really should just stick with one genre and become the best at that or, or whatever. And they're, they're right. Like from a business standpoint, that would make more sense. But I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do that. And then immediately I come up with something that's the complete opposite of what they said to do. And that's what I end up doing. <laughs> like, well, that's weird. <laughs> that I think that's legitimately interesting that people say that to you because you do have two big series and you have, um, you know, two series with three novels each. That's yeah. more than a lot of people. And your website, KillarneyTrainer.com. Definitely go check it out, folks. It's going to be in the show notes in case you can't spell Killarney Trainer. Um, you, you know, you're branding it very well. You know, oh, you're you're making you. it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's not even as if like you have a section that says, "Oh, uh, books," and they're all just dumped <laughs> there. No, you have you have the series separated out in the menu. Um, yeah, which is I, I, cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I realized that. Oh, wait, they they do have a theme. They're an anthology more than like the, the same characters don't come through um, in every book. But yeah, they do have a theme. So. But it was thanks to those people who were trying to tell me that I should write a series that I was like, oh, actually, maybe I already have. So, so are they? Are they like? Because I've only read your your newest audiobook I listened to. So that is, um, uh, half. No, I'm gonna screw it tale up. Tale half told. It, tale half told. I always want to say half told tale. Tale, and I know it's wrong every tale every time because because clearly that that's a uh that's like you riffing on like twice told tales right you're just yes kind of yes. riffing on that yeah, yeah right which is honestly it's a great title not only is it a fun twist on that but it's also really fitting of the story it is a, a, it's a mystery story it's a ghost it, it seems like a haunted house story which it is but it's it's almost like it's more yeah, of a mystery, mystery than anything. Too. It's a murder mystery. Yeah. I feel like it's primarily a murder mystery. And it just so happens that, you know, it takes place in a haunted house. Um, but, you know, there is the tale has been half told. So it, yes. I think that's a, a really great title. Um, but so I can't take so, credit for it. It's actually from a poem from Longfellow. And he was writing about Nathaniel Hawthorne. So, oh, OK, was, you know, he left the tale half told, meaning that he passed away. And, and I think that was a riff on Twice Told Tales. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. Sure. <laughs> this is perfect. 
It is. It is. It's, it's a great title. It's a title that's so good that I was like, is this seriously not already something? <laughs> and I, I looked it up and I just find you. So um, good, good on, good on you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, very cool. But so, yeah, so I was going to say, you know, I've only read that one book, so I can't personally say. Uh, so the other two books that are in that series, um, do they have any recurring characters or is it just like maybe in the same world or something it's like the same that? world. And generally speaking, there's someone from the family of whoever was the star of the last book. So each one takes place in a different decade with a different creature or situation going on. And there's a member of the family of somebody from Tale Half Told in that story. So nice. that's the theme, yeah. Okay, so that's uh, so those books are, so it starts with Tale Half Told, then it goes Universal Threat, Universal <laughs> Threat, and then the Monster of, of Deep Water Lake. Yeah, I just- Very cool. I just want that's a really new movie title for that one. <laughs> No, I, I love it. <laughs> I love a good I love a good monster story. That's my thing. Um, yes. So and I think it should probably be said that for the encounter series, for those three books anyway, you share the byline with your sister, Margaret. Yes. Margaret Trainer. Well, Margaret Melissa now, but Margaret Trainer then. <laughs> um so that that's really cool. You know, you you're you're again, your family is so talented. Your family Family, just all there's so many creative people. So, um, yeah, how did that collaboration even come about? Like, was wh whose idea was it? How did that start? Um, well, it started because she and I were watching this old haunted house movie, and it happened to be snowing that night. And you know, so we were cleaning up after we watched, you know, after we had our popcorn and everything. And she said, "You know what would be really scary if you were snowed into a haunted house and you couldn't get out?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's a really good idea." So we just started like playing with ideas and themes and characters that we liked. And um, we really like, we watch a lot of 70s shows. So we decided to set in the 70s and kind of pick actors that we liked from <laughs> 70s TV shows to put into I this. I love that. Like, I do the same thing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then, um, so that's usually how it works is we'll hash out the outline of the story together. I'll write it. I'll send it to her. She'll give me notes, which usually are like, no, make it scarier or no, make it shorter. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, and then when we get it to where we both like it, um, then we send it out to a third party to see what they think. <laughs> so it actually worked out much better than I thought, but we didn't expect it to turn into a series until, so we just wrote Tale Half Told, that was gonna be it. And then we went for a hike and Peggy turned to me and said, wouldn't it be scary if like we ran into like aliens on a mountain and we like, we have no cell phone service. And that's where Universal Tech came from. <laughs> nice. So she's she's coming up with the ideas and then you, it's up to you to run with it and, and do a lot of the heavy lifting. And then it sort of gets, you guys both just beat it up. Yeah, so I, like one of us will usually come up with the twist. Um, there's usually like a, we try to put a twist into each one. Tale I've told is a little bit more of a straight story, but um, so I like I I came up with a twist for two of the books, and uh, but yeah, we we kind of it's it's a fun project. It's nice to have someone to work on because usually it's just you know what it's like. It's just you behind a keyboard hoping you get it right. <laughs> 
Right, exactly. And then, you know, you're dying to talk about it with somebody, but you just assume that all your friends and family are just sick of hearing about your stupid books all the time. So you just kind of don't. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Especially that point. I don't know about you, but about two thirds in, I always get to this point where it's like, no, this book is terrible. I wait. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Stupid depression. Like, you know. Yeah, I'm difficult to get along with. <laughs> no, I mean, we're we as creatives, artists, whatever you yeah. want to call it, uh, you know, we're 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 divas. We're hard to please. We 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 got we need a lot of maintaining. We're we're we a, we're a beautiful garden, and yeah. uh, we need fertilizing, and we need enough water and sunshine, and, and, and sometimes and we <laughs> don't get those things. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, you always try, and you you know everybody always says this, all the big successful authors always said, you know, it's like, you got to keep reading other people's stuff, mm-hmm. not just your own. You can't just be in your head and, you know, you're always got to learn and grow and, and do all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, guess what? That also takes like time. That's yeah. like, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's so true. Yeah. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm not above, you know, purchasing something twice and I'll have I'll have it to have the hard copy and throw it on the shelf and you know yay I I feel cool I have this, but most of the time I I just don't have time to to crack it even comic books at this point are like hard for me to find time for, yeah. but um because you know you're like well I should be writing or I should be doing yeah. this or whatever plotting or or something um, yeah. Or getting yeah. some exercise because I'm sitting too much. <laughs> oh, the, oh, that's the uh, that's the one thing that I just never seem to find time for. <clears throat> um, so, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so I think I don't know. I think it's back to the uh, couple of questions ago. I think it's interesting that people have told you to, you know, market better. I think you're doing a great job marketing. Um, I think it's very clear. Yeah, no, I, I think it's very clear, you know, e- even if the the stories are loosely related, which I actually think is also really cool because you can sort of read them in any order. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter as much. And um, I do think that that's fairly clear just from the almost just the titles and the way you, you know, it doesn't really I mean, I think you say it's the third in the series or the first in the series you know that they're numbered like that but it it doesn't it didn't strike me as being straight sequels i was kind of wondering if they just weren't and yeah. they were just uh sort of thematically similar but i think it's extra cool that you have these you know uh recurring like lineage uh as the main lineage and it's just members of that family i think that's really cool and you know if it if it thematically fits with the creepiness and uh the mystery elements then then that's that's really great so that is the encounter series um you also have you also have mysteries next door yes so these are much looser Those are those are just it's just Killarney Trainer on the bottom of those covers. Yes, it's Killarney Trainer. Those are just mine. Um, so yeah, so those are all mysteries that are set. Their theme is they're set in New Hampshire, and they're all. I mean, I have a couple of strong themes that I tend to write about, and um, they're present in those books. But they're much. It's a much looser anthology than like the Encounter series, because yeah, pretty much New Hampshire is the basic theme. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, murder not mysteries. Mis- okay. I was gonna say mysteries though. Yeah, I, I murder mysteries. <laughs> okay. So so 
that that's cool. So mystery maybe is your favorite thing then. Is mystery is mystery yeah. your, your big genre? Yeah. It, I didn't expect it to be. I remember distinctly telling my mother, who's a huge mystery fan, that I couldn't write mysteries. I'm I'm too dumb. Like no. <laughs> I can't think that far ahead. I don't know how to set the clues. And uh and then I ended up only writing mysteries. So I don't know if I'm dumb or not, but I that's what I tend to do. <laughs> so let me ask you this in your process, because the way you phrased that, I have to <laughs> jump up and defend you and defend oh, you. <laughs> in general the way that such things are done, because I think that people assume that you have just everything all together and perfect at the beginning. And of course, that is not how it goes. No. And you now now. So I'm I'm going to I'm going to tell you what I have done and then pose it to you and see if it's any in any way similar but like you know there have been plenty of times where i've written you know some of the longer things and you know i'm not planning on a thing being a thing or even a recurring thing or something that is revealed later that's hinted at earlier but i reach maybe you know page 200 and it, it you know occurs to me or there's something that I can do a little tweak and be like, wow, that is going to be so much better, but I have to leave breadcrumbs leading up to this. I can't just spring it on the reader here. So then I go in my, my brain instantly. I'm like, okay, I know I need to put things in places A, B, and C earlier. Like, you know, yes. I know the moments instantly that I need to go leave the breadcrumbs and then I do it and then I feel super smart and I'm like teehee everybody's <laughs> gonna think I'm so like put together and I plan really well and it's like no 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 yeah. I just so is that at all anything like uh yeah, anything like I mean that? like usually I know who the murderer is and I know how it was done and like mm -hmm. I kind of have a general idea of how they discover it but you're mm -hmm. yeah you're absolutely right usually about halfway through I'm like oh my lord I didn't realize that the rake in the shed actually had significance. I'm going to go back and like leave that throughout the whole thing. And everyone's going to think I'm such a genius. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sometimes start. it's, yeah. Sometimes it's those like check off, check off's gun moments, like with, like with a rake or with, you know, some just inane object that is introduced and then becomes really important later that I've gone back to be like, well, I have the payoff. Now I have to go back and set up Chekhov's gun and make it right. the subtle thing that people aren't going to maybe even remember. But when it comes back around again, they'll be like, oh, see, I was supposed to be paying attention to the rake. And oh yeah, then like, they I feel like, moments. oh, it's their fault. Oh, yeah. like, And I've had moments too where you know, you, I'm writing and writing and writing, and then I'll go back and I'll realize, wait a minute, I missed like this, this huge emotional thing just happened between these two characters. And I just took care of it in like two sentences. And I'm like, okay, I have to go back, tear up that scene, rewrite it, because it actually was a big, big moment where something changed. And I have to like fix it to actually acknowledge that. Because I was just so excited to get to like the fight scene or whatever that I didn't even notice that, you know, someone- Totally. <laughs> switch sides and totally like, now we're an ally <laughs> yeah i i mean i i call that sort of thing like uh adding the cartilage like the bones are there yes. and you you gotta you gotta expand it and um and that's happened to me lots of times too where i go back and read it i'm like okay well 
I, I was clearly rushing through this part. This needs more gravitas. I have to expand this whole section. Mm-hmm. And it goes from two sentences to two paragraphs or a page or, you know. There's a great comic book term. They call it fleshing it out. And I'm yeah. like, so that's what I use all the time. Like, oh, I got to go and flesh that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. Um, if you're adding flesh or cartilage, I mean, either way. Both works. You know, both work. <laughs> <laughs> blood vessels, hair, you know. Yeah. Sometimes, any of you it. know, a neat little tattoo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> neat little tattoos. Um, all that good stuff. Um, so your book, something that um, I thought was really cool when you did it was I think it was earlier the this year, maybe it was last year, you redid a lot of your covers, if not all of them, maybe? Maybe not all of them, yeah, but the I know last, you redid a lot. The last one's getting redone now. Okay. So what was the driving force behind that? And like, uh, what was uh, what was that like? You just went through and kind of um, reskinned everything. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't too happy with, because I'd done my own covers for the Encounter series. And I just wasn't too happy with how they looked. I felt like they looked a little amateur because I am an amateur. And uh, and then a friend of mine who does like superhero books, he had gotten his redone and they looked amazing. So I, I reached out to him like, where did you get these? And he show, he told me. So I just started with Tale Half Told because I knew kind of what I wanted that to look like. Um, and the first draft they gave me, they found out it was the 70s and there was a, a particular car in the book. And they just, when I got that cover and I saw the car and I was like, oh my God, I need to redo every book. Because <laughs> this just looks so amazing. <laughs> the animal details. <laughs> so it was the car on the cover of Tale Half Told that made me think, yeah, I need to redo all of them. <laughs> I mean, it it's really a great cover it, it's very very professional you're uh i don't uh, do you mind uh, saying who the artist is oh yeah is it's okay? a, they're called i don't know how to pronounce it it's like m-i-b-l arts so okay um, and it's just a team i forget what country they're from but they're i highly recommend them they're really responsive and they do a really nice job I mean, these are really, really great. And, you know, they they also designed each subsequent book in the series as if it were part of the series. They're making sure they're sticking to the same fonts. They're doing the same treatment on the on the fonts, but they're giving them their own color scheme. And it's really like every everything that you so I'm a I'm a in graphic design and marketing uh, for my day job. So this this sort of stuff is what i notice and it's often stuff that i'm like secretly judging and you know even if i would never say everyone uh, judges a book by its cover everyone does (laughs) it's just you have no choice but uh these are really really freaking fantastic Killarney. they look absolutely awesome i i mean i do think tale half told is my favorite of them i love the color scheme and i do really like that car and it's got the haunted house in the back and um and, you know, I, but they're all great. You know, Universal you. Threat is primarily a, a camera on the ground. And the monster of Deepwater Lake is a guy on a ship. And I I don't think I see a monster in there. But... Yeah, you have to look in the wave a little closer. Okay. <laughs> I actually told them um, in, a, in an American tale, there's a scene where a wave sort of turns into a monster. It's about to swallow the ship. So I sent them a screenshot okay. of that. I said, I need something kind of like that. <laughs> I, oh, I see it. I see it. <laughs> you know, but not too much. Like, yeah. you can't, you know. 
So, right. I think well, that's cool. Used, but <laughs> they, they did it for me. They they did a this company did a really really great job. Um, wow, yeah, I, I I love these. And you also put them out for the first time, I think, in like almost mass market trade trade yeah. uh, size paperbacks, like small yeah, the paperbacks. Size, yeah, yeah, the pocket size. And I remember we talked about that when when I saw you did that because I've always been enamored with that format and i think it's a bummer that it's sort of gone away that there's no mass market paperbacks anymore and and uh it was just kind of fun like we in our in our dining room uh we have like a shelf that goes around the perimeter of the room and it's just a very shallow shelf it's a very small shelf and we knew instantly when we moved in that we're like well I mean, that's, the, that's, that's all mass market paperbacks because there's not too much that's going to fit up there, but you know, anywhere that there can be more books yes. in the surroundings is a yes. good, is a good idea. So, well, like I grew up reading like Star Trek novels and they were all that mass paperback. So to me, that's, yeah. like, that's one of the signs that you made it is that you cut these cheap little versions of your book. I'm like, right, right. So totally. I actually, I, that was part of the reason that inspired the design because I found out I could actually get them. And I was like, oh, so <laughs> super cool, super cool. Yeah, yeah I remember uh, maybe maybe five, six years ago, Neil Gaiman went around and redid a lot of his novels as mass market paperbacks, and they all had new covers. Same mm -hmm. deal. Yeah. So if Neil Gaiman's doing it, then obviously I can do it. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a good it's a good career move, or at least yeah. it's not a bad one. I, mean, I, I called my sister and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put the encounter books into pocket size. And she's like, Oh my God, that's so exciting. Yay. <laughs> it is so exciting. They're, they're, they're super cool. They look really, really great. Um, so anyway, so that's great. And you know, it just, you know, gives new life to something that's been around for a little bit, little bit. Cause yeah. some of these you wrote, um, longer ago than I realized you've been writing for, <laughs> I mean, you said since you were six, but so when did you put out your first novel for your like current career? Um, I think it was 2014. So quite a while. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's, it's been a while. It's, uh, yeah. it's 2024 next year. So, um, your yeah. anniversary of, uh, summer yeah. shadows. Oh, for summer of shadows is it summer of shadows summer no, just summer shadows summer shadows yeah very so, cool i had a very hard time finding a title for that one but it was my first book so you got better you yeah got i got better. better i had to explain necessary evil a million times to people so much that, that was a good call but i still <laughs> like it <laughs> i like it i think it's a great title um i think titles are titles are hard anyway really i mean hard. you know i i definitely struggle with them uh sometimes it's like right there and then other times it's like oh man i just have no clue what to call this and i'm on my like 10th title it's honestly short stories do that with me do you do you write anything short do you write short stories for anything do you ever do like Not anthologies really. or anything uh no. i haven't um i want to because that's like one that's something i haven't conquered yet is the short story I only tend to write in long form unless I'm writing a script, in which case I can write usually a short script, but hmm. yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes it's just opportunity, you know, I mean, sometimes like I, I, I tend to, if I have an idea for a short story, I tend to write just, you know, maybe a thousand words of notes and just, I leave it in a file until I find an open call that it fits. 
Oh, if I, ha- okay. if I happen to see something that's like, oh, we want X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh, man, I have the perfect thing. I can now sit down and actually finish. <laughs> that's a great idea because I find it's it's much easier to write when you know who your audience is. Right. And usually I just pick someone I know, like I'm going to write a book that I know this person will like. And then I hound them into reading the draft. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> Do they ever say no? They're like, um, they're usually very nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you shouldn't have, uh, okay. thank you. Thanks. <laughs> no, I'm sure you never hear that. Um, yeah, no, that, that works. That works out pretty well for me, I think. But, but you know, there, I know people who just pump these out like nobody's yeah. business and you know, they just, they do the, they do the opposite, you know, they're, they, they have, you know, 20 stories finished and they're just scouring the internet for open calls that they might fit, you know, and that works too, but yeah, that's a, that's a method. Yeah. But, I, I admire people who write like a lot. I, I'm, I write long books, but I, I take a while to develop the story and I kind of admire people who are just like, Oh, I wrote a book in three months. And I'm like, how, how, <laughs> Oh my, I mean, how? My brain, I know. Yeah. I'm not that fast. <laughs> yeah. I, and neither am I. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I know people who, you know, they're, they're writing a book a month. There are two books yeah. a month. You know, it's just, it's like, it's, it's unbelievable different. to me. I can't yeah. even fathom that. It's like being good at football. I can't even I, imagine it. No, it's like being good at ballet. I'm like, no, but <laughs> I don't know how you, I admire it, but I don't know how you do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. The NaNoWriMo thing, you know, where you're supposed to write 50,000 words. Oh, yeah, yeah. That freaks me out. I've tried to do it four or five times. And I always like, by by 30,000, I'm like, I, I can't. I, there's too much pressure. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's looking at me. But like the very idea that I need 20,000 more words. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for those of you who don't know, the uh, so NaNoWriMo is uh, National Novel Writing Month. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you log, you create an account and you log in daily with your word count. And the goal is to write a 50,000 word novel in one month. So, great you know, exercise. you're supposed to. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's supposed to get you in, you know, in the rhythm of mm-hmm. writing every day and figuring out how you're going to find your time because you're really just, you know, motivated by those totals and it it can really work for people. Yeah. I I tried it one time and I quickly realized that it's not for me but it did get me started on writing what I ended up releasing as my first novel, which is The oh. Bone Eater King. So I wrote maybe 20,000 words of the 50. So I didn't even come close, but I did finish it. And, you know, I I still wrote a decent amount in that one month, you know, certainly more than I ever had, more than I ever thought possible. Um, But, uh, you know, I mean, didn't come close to, yeah. But so I think there's like absolute value in it for the right person, like 100%. Um, it's, It's also really great for the person who, has been saying like forever oh i'm I'm one of these days i'm gonna write a novel or one of these days i'm gonna finish a novel one of these days oh i gotta finish that book that i've been writing for you know 20 years or something and some something like that could really potentially 
be a good fit for for you and and you know motivate you in the right way that you're gonna actually put in the time because at the end of the day that's really all that's preventing anybody from finishing something like a book is it's not talent it's not um it's it's not anything other than yeah, it's just time sitting down and just doing it that's yeah it. i usually use it when i'm in a slump so when i'm in a writing slump i'll go like all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it so this year i i did it this past november i did it and i wrote uh, maybe twenty five thousand words nice and before i started before i did the whole i can't because the pressure but i went <laughs> recently went back and i'm like actually this book has good bones so uh so i'm actually working on it again because thanks to nanorimo i was able to figure out kind of what worked and what didn't work and the reason why my outline wasn't working because i was forced to actually fight through some of the stuff so yeah. it, it is very helpful i just have never completed one <laughs> Right. And, and and I guess I think my point is just simply I don't think that's a failure. No, I don't right? I don't, I don't think at all that that's a fit. Like, you know, if you try and don't make it to 50, like you got some out of it. It helped you out of that slump yes. or it helped get the juices flowing or whatever and and I think that that sort of thing is is very very helpful and that, you know, that anything that's adding to the defeatist attitude is is, you know, you got to get rid of that stuff and you yes. got to stop treating um everything as a defeat <laughs> that's the yes. other thing i think that, yes. Uh, yes it's okay it's even okay to write something that sucks it's okay it's totally yeah, sometimes okay you have to sometimes you have to write it to figure out that it sucks <laughs> exactly and you're then like, this you is a brilliant shiny new idea better. and then you write it out and you're like actually no i just rewrote god with the wind so <laughs> i gotta be else now. <laughs> <laughs> i made it seven hours long yeah, uh, it doesn't have like you know Clark Gable in it, so no one's gonna read it. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So okay, so we're talking tale half told. This is yeah. also your brand new audiobook. So this is your first ever audiobook. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, do, uh, do you want to talk about the process of how that came about and uh, how the production went? How um, how how involved were you? Actually, kind of yeah. Um, so my friend Kenneth Rahili recorded it. Actually, he reached out to me because he's uh, he's got his own recording studio now, and he liked the book and wanted to to like use it to try uh, recording an audio book. And uh, so we collaborate a lot. He would send me pieces. You know, I would send him back notes. You know, just kind of reread this a little bit. I had to learn how to edit it, <laughs> so I had to learn how to edit audio. Um, and then I had to learn how to get it up onto Audible. So now mm -hmm. it's on Audible now. Um, but it was really weird hearing someone else read my story out loud. And uh, so I will caution anyone that's going to do an audiobook: be prepared to like go like, ooh, that's a really soft passage. I would probably rewrite that now. <laughs> it's a good book. But like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like, you're, I'm book. super critical now because like i've learned a lot since i've wrote it that and you're like oh oh it sounds different but it still sounds good but yeah that's probably yeah or <laughs> like the inflection where i tell people not to listen to it <laughs> no definitely listen to it and or if like you know yeah. you're you were anticipating like a you know a really 
different tone in the reading of a certain part. I imagine yes. that being something that you're like, oh, this was supposed to be somber and sweet, but but they delivered it like it was the scariest thing ever and it's not supposed to be. <laughs> there like, were a few of those where I was like, actually, uh, that should have been read. <laughs> Dial it back a little there <laughs> yeah, on little. the uh, somber. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he did uh, he did such a good job that we're actually he's gonna he's working on the next book now. So I'm super excited to hear how that turns out. Cool. It's always it's always good when I think, uh, you know, you, you keep a narrator for a, a series, especially. Yeah. I always think that's becomes, you know, part of the experience that you look forward to. You know, you're sort of. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just another person you're forming the relationship with. It really is. It's just it's interesting. And, you know, sometimes I've, you know, listened to a long series and then they change out the narrators. And that is the worst. Yes. Especially if they like do voices and stuff and all the voices are different now. And it's just like, right, oh, I can't right. even listen to this. Wait, uh, that's not McGonagall. <laughs> right, right. Uh, sometimes there's a voice where you listen to it and you're like, I, I like this book, but man, I can't handle this person that's doing it. Sure. Yeah. Like, so I, mean, I have to find another happens. narrator. <laughs> definitely happens. Um, so that's, that's cool. So that's interesting. The second book in the series is, mm -hmm. uh, is in production and it's, it's cool how hands-on you were. So you had to learn audio production. Yeah. You didn't, that's one of the, the very few things I think that you probably didn't know how to do. How, how was that? Did you, did you teach yourself? Did you reach out to friends? How did you, uh, or um, brothers, sisters? <laughs> I, I sort of had to teach myself, um, thank God for YouTube, because uh, there was a bunch of things where I'm like, how do you fix that? How do you adjust that? And and mm -hmm. I will say that um, audio is very user-friendly, um, Audible. So there was a ton of stuff on their website that was like, oh, it has to be so many, like, I still don't know what these terms mean, but it has to be so many decibels. It has to be your troubles off. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. fine, <laughs> fix that. Fix it all. Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of, I, I do like editing. I actually, I love editing books. Um, I, I, and I liked editing audio because it's, it's always fun. Cause when you leave, like, like for instance, if, if, uh, a reader took a breath and you take the breath out, it makes the sentence sound like much more compact and it can make, yes. you know, the beats, if they're quicker, it sounds scarier. If they're slower, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's kind of fun, like playing with the, the tempo of the of the paragraph, if you will, and mm -hmm. see what you can do with it. Exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of that is being controlled by the performance, but you do have that ability to a certain extent mm -hmm. to edit that and to enhance it in one direction or other. And uh, yeah, that's totally interesting. I mean, like, that's totally true. And sometimes you want to cut something at the end of a sentence or whatever, but they take a breath and then you're sometimes you're forced to leave it or, uh, yeah. Or the next, the next thing doesn't sound like it's connecting, you know, um, right. the next bit. I, I really, I enjoy editing audio a lot. I, I really, really enjoy it. I, I was in a band for many years and we kind of taught ourselves how to record ourselves. And um, I did a lot of that myself. And so when it came to doing, you know, voiceover stuff and things for the podcast and things for the audio books that, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I am working on my second audiobook right now. Oh, cool. um, I'm probably going to finish the current story I'm reading after we finish with this episode tonight. I, I honestly have like two more pages. I just want to be done with the, the one story. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, I personally 
really enjoy it. I I'll think it's, to reach out to you when he sends me the next set. <laughs> so you, you definitely can. You definitely <laughs> Thank can you. treat me as a resource. I have been doing this for a wicked long time, but like not professionally. <laughs> you know, like you know, a lot of those years was just me and the band, and uh, but you know, a lot of a lot of stuff was learned over those years. You know, just oh yeah, by doing something you know. quite like hands on. Like it, you can learn so exactly, much. yeah, and especially where it's your thing. Like you're, you're, you're so invested in your own music or book or whatever. So you're, you're just gonna make sure it's as good as it can possibly be and whatever. Um, what program did you end up using for the the editing? Oh, what program did I use? Uh, I forget. It was a free one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> No, that's okay. Um, I mean, most I, people use Audacity or something like that's that. That's what it was, or, Audacity. Yeah, so have... so we're gonna have a conversation after off air. Okay. <laughs> I just I just wanna I, I wanna. <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I wanna I wanna just uh, promote the thing that I love. But anyway, um, we'll save that for not not this episode. So. Um, We'll say that for the episode when they're sponsoring your show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. So, you know, we've talked about your books. Is there, I know I didn't ask you this before the show. Are you interested? Would you be interested in reading a, a passage of the book or you just don't want to do that? Oh, I can do that. I just, I don't have one prepared, but. I know um, I should have asked you. And but I, I have the I book just... right over there so I can just grab it. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to just, uh, it's up to you. Totally up to you. If you want to just read a few pages or something like that. We yeah. always, I always offer that usually beforehand, usually not right <laughs> on the spot. So that's me. See, this is all your, all your friends that are listening to this episode. If, if they weren't annoyed with me already for the bad intro I gave you, boy, <laughs> they're like, this guy oh, <laughs> needs to be canceled. Just get rid of this guy. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you if you're interested, that'd be yeah, great. I could do tail half told because I actually think I have it here. Sure. So speak. I'm gonna lean into the sure. screen. There we go. So I have it here. Nice. <laughs> that is the larger than pocket size. The larger edition. than pocket size. Um, the original size. Um, let's see what part would be good to read. Okay. I don't even know. Um, yeah, no, this was this is this was a fun book. This was a very solid. Um, it's a it's a great haunted house, great murder mystery. Like I really could see this being like a Hammer movie. It was very Aww. Hammer to me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think it I think it really. It had that feel. I, I think you're a, you're you said you're a fan uh, off air, not on the show, but you're you're like becoming more of a Hammer fan. So I don't think that yeah. was the inspiration. But I've watched right. some like at the time I was writing this, I was watching some like Vincent Price movies. Oh, yeah, things like that. So sure. I, I love I love the camp of Vincent Price, um, and he he did some really good serious stuff as well. But he did best when he's camping. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he really fell into that. He really yeah. just leaned into it later where he's like, I'm going to be delicious always. That's what yes, I'm going to be. That is um, now my goal in life. <laughs> <laughs> to be as delicious as Ben's surprise. Okay, so I'll, I'll shut up and uh, okay. take the stage. Alrighty. <clears throat> so this is from Tale Half Told. This is chapter four. There was in the air a sense of impending battle. Johnny knew it like he knew the scent of napalm. 
The world was conspiring against them, gathering forces, preparing to strike. The wind was the first line, whipping up a light snow from the ground and sending it stinging into their faces as they struggled through the drifts to, towards the car. Johnny took the lead and Michael brought up the rear. It was not snowing yet, but Johnny could taste it in the air and he did not like it. The storm was moving much too fast. He pulled open the passenger door and helped Linda in while Susan moved around the front of the vehicle towards her door. Michael stumbled next to him, fumbling for the handle. You're right, he said to Johnny, raising his voice to be heard above the wind. Let's get out of here before a tree falls. There was an audible sigh of relief when the doors were shut. After turning over twice, the engine started. Michael shifted into reverse and pulled backwards as the wind, roaring in defeat, slammed into the side of the car, causing the entire vehicle to shudder. Good grief, Linda said. What is with the weather today? No one answered her. Michael had gone too deep into the drifts behind them and was trying gently to ease the spinning tires back onto the pavement. Susan looked ill again. Johnny found himself sitting as a sitting at attention as though expecting an attack at any minute. Stop it, he told himself, then said aloud to Linda, it's just the wind coming off the river, that's all. Want me to get out and push, Mike? Even as he said it, the tires caught traction and they began moving towards the road. We're on our way now, Mike said heartily, just a little bit of New England weather. His white knuckle hold on the constantly shifting steering wheel belied his confident tone. They knew better than to reply. Even the backseat passengers could feel the shift of the slipping tires while they were still on flat ground. All around them, the wind whipped up the sugar-like snow, casting drifts and fresh layers onto their path. The driveway was only a few hundred yards long, ending in a sharp downslope to the road. Michael slowed as he reached it until the tires caught ground and held. It's slippery, Susan warned. Michael said, I know, honey, I know, as he eased the car forward. They reached the lip of the incline and the car tipped. Easy does it, Michael said, just before the tires hit ice. The car hurtled down the slope, picking up speed and twisting as Michael fought for control. Johnny braced himself and reached out for Linda, who had one hand clasped to her mouth. Susan was climbing up into her sleep, bracing her legs against the dashboard, repeatedly crying, Michael, the tree, Michael, the tree. The car turned despite Michael's frantic struggle with the wheel and pounding on the brake. They slipped down the end of the driveway, slid across the road, and tipped over the edge into a ditch. Susan's scream was cut off abruptly when they hit the trees with a crescendo of breaking glass and the bone-crunching sound of metal wrapping around wood. That was great. Thank you so much. What a, what a great intro. <laughs> so like so like you know like so many uh ha good haunt haunted house movies you have that there's a storm there's a car something happens calamity it's just a classic opening to riff on and you know having it be in the snow really is different it's usually rain it's always yeah, like in thunderstorms and stuff always thun yeah dark and stormy night always it's like well it's a different storm different <laughs> storm it's a, it was a dark and snowy <laughs> night. Well, the hard part about haunted house story is trying to keep them in the house. It's like, why wouldn't you just leave? <laughs> so exactly. There always has to be a reason. Um, the best one is, I think it's called Hell House by Richard Matheson. That one okay. 
gave me nightmares for like three years straight. <laughs> yeah. So the what's the name of the uh, the evil force in that? It's like Mrs. Somebody. Um, it's the unknowable old lady who owns the house, but she's definitely not really human. Um, in uh, Hell House, or yeah, in Hell House, yeah, uh, the Richard Matheson one. It was Velasco. Uh, it was a guy, I believe. Oh my! Yeah. I'm I'm mixing it up with Burnt Offerings. Oh, I have to read that. <laughs> okay, my bad. I know Hell House 100. Um, hey, also, a good movie. You yes. must know the movie. You love oh, Roddy McDowell. Yes. So, yes. Um, so Burnt Offerings with. Um, The guy who was in Curse of the Werewolf. Oh my God, he died right after Gladiator. That was his last movie. What's his name? Um, oh. oh my God, now I know who you're talking about. Like, big, big, humongous, pale blue eyes. Yes. Um, his name is just gone out of my brain. Um, that's okay. It'll return the second we stop recording. Yeah. You can just exactly insert it. Just go like. Uh, but yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then add <laughs> marshmallow. Um, <laughs> I'll replace Marshmallow with the guy's real name. Yeah. Um, no. So uh, yeah, check out check out Burnt Offerings. Also, okay. another really great, under-celebrated, uh, utterly under-celebrated haunted house movie is just called The Evil. Oh. And it's it's really great. Like okay. I, I discovered it last year, I think it was because Peacock is just for some reason the best place the, of all the streaming services. I think Peacock has the best Halloween section every year for the last three years running. Okay. They're just awesome. And they, they last year for the first time, they organized it like my brain works, which is by decade. So they're like, Oh, horror. Well, do you want nineties, eighties, seventies, sixties, forties, thirties, twenties? And I'm like, this is like That's my perfect genius. thing. That's like all I want ever. That's like whenever it's well, so different by decade. It's it really that does make sense. Like that is how I categorize everything for movies yeah. in my brain. So if like if my wife and I are just like, oh, you want to watch a movie? Okay, what do you want to watch? And then it's like I don't know. And then so my what first, <laughs> yeah, every time. That's a it's great like way what, of doing it. It's like, what What are you feeling? Are you feeling like something yeah. new? Are you feeling like something old? Oh, something old. Okay, are we talking like like 50s or like 70s or like 80s? Like like that is all how it's all <laughs> like, like the, the category breakdown in my brain is all by sense. decade. So they did that last year. I hope they do it this year. But anyway, they had, um, I think it was from the 70s or 80s, but it's just called The The Evil. The Evil. And it's actually a pretty darn good haunted house movie. I, I like okay. really liked it. Um, it have you ever seen The Orphanage, the Spanish language film El Orfanato? No. That is my favorite of all time. Okay. As far as, okay, let me put it this way. That is my favorite scary one of all time. Oh, so what's your favorite non-scary one? The Old Dark House, 1935. Okay, I've heard, I just learned about this movie and I'm like, I have to add that to my list. <laughs> it's my favorite <laughs> movie ever. So The Old Dark House, it stars Boris Karloff. He is- Oh my God, uh, I haven't seen this. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was kind of the, it's it sort of should be 
considered one of the universe it is a universal movie it should be like a universal monster movie it should be it's just not and there isn't a classic monster in it but it really does feel like that it's like you know the stepchild or something of that you know yeah. and it's got karloff he's got monster makeup on he's just not a monster he's, he's like a gross you know scarred up guy that doesn't talk but um he's a scary butler guy but um Honestly, uh, it's got Ernest Thesiger, who is uh, Dr. Pretorius in Bride of Frankenstein, who's like oh, one of the most yeah. freaking amazing. Like, he's one of my top five characters, like, ever, probably. Yeah. He's just, he's he is just such a hammy. He's like the progenitor of that hammy Vincent Price. He's like, yeah. he's just extra. He's a little bit more queen. Extra. Yeah. He's a little bit more queen than Vincent ever was. But uh, oh my God, I just, I love Dr. Pretorius and I love Ernest Thesiger. And he's really not in too many surviving films. Uh, he was old in 1935. You know, he was in his yeah. late 60s or something in 1935. He was more of a stage guy. But there are three decent Thesiger movies, one of which is called The Ghoul and one of which is. Um, is this one and obviously bride but old dark house seek it out okay. the, uh the criterion collection has the most unbelievable i i had seen the movie probably three times uh and it was always like a terrible print like just awful awful grainy terrible disgusting you know but i didn't yeah. care i just really liked it and discovering that it was like this lost um Karloff and Thesiger vehicle, you know, I just didn't uh, like, I had to see it, you know, obviously. Um, but uh, it, it, uh, they, they went back and scrubbed the original film or did something because, oh my God. I mean, it looks, it looks astoundingly gorgeous. It's insane. But yeah, that movie was uh, not released for a really long time. It was released in theaters, I think, but it, it was shown like once and like never released on video until like, I don't know, like 50 years or something. It was a forgotten film. It wasn't really truly lost, but like nobody remembered it. Nobody cared. Nobody did anything with it. But now like it's, it's easy to find now. So that's good. But okay, thanks to, to thanks to Criterion. Up. Yeah. So now there, I love, I love old dark house. I love, and I love funny old dark house too. <laughs> this is yours is not funny. Yours is very, very serious. Very serious. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. I was, um, uh, I used the soundtrack to the changeling to write it, which is this uh, George C. Scott haunted house movie. And it has this like super scary soundtrack. So I just put that on and I would write it. And there were some nights where it would be dark and stormy. And I'd be like, okay, I have to turn the soundtrack off because I'm unnerving myself. <laughs> Freaking myself out. <laughs> I've actually never seen that one. I've never seen I really one. like it. It's a, it's a solid haunted house movie. It's a mystery too. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so why is the ghost doing what the ghost is doing? But, mm -hmm. and the sound, like I said, the soundtrack is really, really good. Mm. Um, and I think it, I think it does take place in winter, but they're not snowed in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't think of a single one that's snow. I mean, the only one that snow. I can think of really is like the shining. If you consider the shining a ghost movie, uh, I'm okay, not really sure I mean, how you categorize true. that, but I mean, you're. I mean, you're, it's really a Jack right. goes insane movie. But like, well, the book spoilers. is so different, and um, yeah. yeah, no, you're 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 right. That that should count. Yeah, that they got snowed in big time at the at the Overlook. That is yeah. that is totally true. Yeah, it is. 
you're right. It's I that does not ever come to mind when I'm thinking of haunted house stories, but it technically is. It's a haunted hotel. I, mean, I know it's, that, like, it's the same thing. Stephen King didn't really like it. And when I watched it, I was like, I understand why, because there's no doubt from beat one that Jack Nicholson's going to go insane. <laughs> like, well, did you no have you read up. the book? No, have I you read the book? No. So the yeah. So as a as this goes, I am of the. The, uh, the camp that prefers the book. I, I'm not okay. a big fan of the movie. Um, I, but, I wasn't either. No offense to anybody who made it. but Yeah, I know. Everybody loves it. And it's it's this classic. Yeah. Everybody just adores it and stuff like that. I just, it's not for me. I, I didn't, it didn't work for me. But one of the things that I really, uh, like one of the things that stuck in my craw is that um, they really, he really, Kubrick being he, Kubrick changed everything about the Jack Torrance character um, and you're right. You just said it. He's crazy from second one. He is a maniac in that job interview. And then when he's driving his family, uh, he clearly hates their guts. He can't stand his family. They're right. driving him insane. He's just he's just not a good guy the entire time. And the book is all about a guy who is struggling with alcoholism and he is the family is recovering from a, an event that almost caused the family to break up. It almost caused the wife to leave with the son. And what happened was Jack um, was drunk and the little boy comes in and he was messing with his papers and he caused, he knocked him over. And uh, because Jack was so drunk, he didn't hit him, but he grabbed him and yanked him really, really hard away from the papers and yelled at him. And he accidentally broke his arm. Ooh, okay. and, and so that is like the inciting incident that is like hanging over his head. He's like, my drinking caused my son to have a broken arm. Like I did that. So it's really and more that, of a tragedy of a guy trying to get better and to Perfect. trying to get better. He's trying okay. so hard to get better. He's trying so hard. And him and Wendy are not on good terms. You know, she, you know, she, this is like the last thing she's going to do for him. This is it. This is your last shot. If this doesn't work and this doesn't prove to heal us as a family, then we're probably done. And you know, th this yeah. is your last shot. And so he knows it. And he is a very complicated character who is a good man. And, um, and struggles so hard to to fight his demons and then the hotel like ends up amplifying every demon he's ever had and eventually possesses him but when he becomes the axe murderer um it is clear enough even to the young boy who he's the one who had the broken arm he remembers danny um at one point jack possessed by the hotel uh, is being extra mean and like he's gonna he's not just gonna kill the kid he's like you know rubbing it in and making fun of him and like tormenting him playing cat and mouse with him and the kid actually has the presence of mind to understand what's going on and he says you're not my dad i know my dad's not doing this oh wow you're not my dad yeah. you're this place like the kid understood and that like that like just describing it to you gives me chills. Yeah. Like I, I legitimately that's legit scary. <laughs> love the characters in that in that book so much. And Jack Torrance is a marvelous character. Just a marvelous, flawed, very tragic, 
very real somebody like, you know, we can all relate to wanting to be better and, you know, failing at things and, you know, maybe not to that degree, but, and um, he's just a wonderful character and Kubrick just turned him into a cartoon psychopath. So, yeah. I like Jack Nicholson, but it was like when they were driving up, as you said, I was going like, why are you in the car with this crazy guy? I wouldn't trust I know. him in a car ride not to hit me, let alone stay three months. <laughs> like, Seriously. <no. laughs> Seriously. So, yeah, I feel like it was just it was just a different it was not my type of movie. Although I mm. will say Kubrick really made me feel cold, like his shots of the snow and everything. By the time I was mm-hmm. done watching it, I had a, I had like. A chill, but not like because I was scared, but because it was just cold. <laughs> like, which okay. is really, which is really an interesting thing to say. Just overall, I I don't think I experienced that myself, but I definitely have thought that with certain movies. I mean, certainly with the thing, the thing is just so cold, mm-hmm. and I I think that's just such a fascinating thing that you're able to get across, where you're not. It's because there's a difference between understanding that the story is taking place in a cold area and feeling cold yourself. Yeah. Like there's just difference, you know? Because I'm not so sure because I watched the cool. show called The Terror. I don't know if you saw it. It's wicked good. It was an AMC uh, show. No. It's about oh, oh. the Lost Franklin expedition in North. No. The North no. Pole. Well, anyway, it's about this two British ships that get stuck in the ice. It's based on a true story, but they had a monster to it. And they're basically two years of these guys freezing to death and fighting off a monster, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> and by the time it I was done awesome. watching, it was amazing. And the second season is so good too, but it's like completely different. Um, and that one takes place in a Japanese internment camp, and that's like gross and awesome. It's just I highly recommend checking out this wow. series. Um, but the, okay. That was like, I remember watching that series and uh, the first season, the guys get, they get scurvy and they did such a good job with it. Cause I actually felt my teeth hurting. Oh my God. Wow. And I'm like, oh no. And I was, I remember wondering why did you add a monster? The elements are scary enough. You didn't need a monster. On right. It. So it is amazing what, what good film work can do. Absolutely. So is this like yeah. Shackleton? Was it or or no, was it just like inspired uh, by? No, it wasn't Shackleton. It was this would have been this actually took place. 18, was he 25? South Pole? He was South Pole in like he was 1900s, South Pole. early 1900s. This was like 1845, and they're trying to find the Northeast Passage, Northwest Passage, something like that. And they uh, so they're still oh, like the Donner, the, the Donner Party. No, no, this is through the North Pole, and it's a British expedition. Okay, but it was like a big deal because it was two ship loads full of men on two ships called the Terror and the Erebus, and they actually just found the ships in the North Pole. Like they finally found them. No one wow. survived, but uh, it's, it's a very odd name to name your ship in real life. Yeah, Terror. It was originally, I think, a battleship, so it made sense then. Okay, <laughs> and then they repurposed it badly. Be scared of me. I'm yes. so terrifying. Yes. Gotcha. But uh, so I was doing a lot of reading on that. And uh, I was like, no one should have done this. This is just a terrible plan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but yeah, that's an excellent awesome. series. Yeah. <laughs> I will absolutely check it out. Is So yeah. is every season its own thing? Kind of like American Horror Story idea? Like where it's. Yeah. It's... I think there's only two. Okay. Uh, but even if you don't like the first season, check out the second season. Because it's like I said, it's so different. And it's just, it's really, really good. Just really nice. Good. 
Yeah. Nice. Well, there's some uh, some great recommendations from both yeah. of us. So if you uh, if you're listening out there and you like spooky stuff and like lots of honestly, there's so many so many fun haunted house things out there. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely El Orfanato is is absolutely amazing, and you have to watch it twice. Okay. You have to watch it twice, and uh, the first time assume the ghosts are real, and then the second time assume that they're not. Oh, okay. Okay. Because I'm telling you right now, it works both ways. Um, oh, that's a really good story. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's my favorite. Um, it's really amazing. And it's very creepy. Um, so we, you know, we talked before the show. You're clearly a big fan of old movies, of Vincent Price, of Roddy McDowell. You mentioned yeah. lots of things that you're geeky <laughs> about. I asked if there's something you're geeky about that we could talk about because we always like to... List. <laughs> Yeah, because, you know, we like to, on Retro Redoctopus, we like to end our interviews with a little bit of nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think uh, one of the things that piqued my interest that you said was the Twilight Zone. And yeah. um, you said you're a big fan of the Twilight Zone, and it directly influenced your work. Um, I am a huge Twilight Zone fan. Uh, let's talk Twilight Zone for a few minutes you mind okay. is that cool? yeah no i love Twilight Zone, so <laughs> awesome. it's been a while since i've watched it but i just yeah it's like one of those shows that just gets into you and never quite leaves <laughs> right right no it's it's one of the best tv shows of all time so yes. um obviously you know we are not of the age to when this came out in the 60s um so how did you uh how were you introduced to the twilight zone so the reason why I was introduced to the Twilight Zone was because I was actually listening to old horror radio shows. <laughs> oh, nice. Like radio uh, plays and stuff. Yes. Like, um, I think one of them was called The Outer Dimension or something like that. And um, uh, The Inner Sanctum. Inner Sanctum. Yep. Yes. And uh, someone said, oh, that's just like the Twilight Zone. And it, it happened to be on one of the streaming sites. So I started watching that um, with my sister and a bunch of my other siblings. And we just, yeah, I think we just chain watched like a ton of them, but oh. it started with these old radio shows. So it, which if you've heard of Inner Sanctum, you know, they're very much like the Twilight Zone, very short, intense stories that don't always end happy. <laughs> well, so the, the only reason why I know the, the Inner Sanctum is because of the movies. So oh, there was, okay. there are a handful. I feel like maybe there are five, um, I, I could have that number wrong. They all star Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, and they are, I've seen two of them um, and enjoyed both a lot. Uh, and uh, that is coming from me who I am not a Lon Chaney Jr. fan. I think he's, he is the worst of all the actors of the the stable, the Universal Stable, and y'all can fight me on that. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big fan, but um, he 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 was honestly I liked him more in probably those movies than I've liked him in anything. Okay. Um, although I do really like this random weird old movie called The Alligator People, and he's a really convincing, gross, disgusting rapist. So, you know, there, there, there's something about that role that really just, yeah, I don't know, he leaned into it. Strength. <laughs> yeah, like really sweaty, like really sweaty and gross. Ugh. Very rapey. Um, he was great in that. Just amazing in that. I but, remember um, I stumped one of my friends. They wanted to know if I liked, um, oh my God, what's the name of that guy that was uh, in Rebel Without a Cause? 
Oh, James Dean. Yeah. And they said, do you like him? I said, no, he gives off such strong rapist vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm like, you know, nobody says that about James Dean. (laughs) I, yeah, I can't, I've watched like three of his movies and every single one. I'm like, no, you're a creep. Don't touch me. Like leave. Creeper. Yeah. (laughs) I've never seen uh, any of his movies. Uh, I, I can't really recommend. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, so the the name, by the way, of the actor I was trying to come up with earlier is Oliver Reed. Oliver oh, Reed is right. is the guy in um, in Curse of the Werewolf, and I was I was talking about Burnt Offerings as the haunted house movie. But um, anyway, um, yeah. So Twilight Zone. Uh, so I, yeah. So I've never seen any. I've never heard any of the actual. Uh, Inner Sanctum Mysteries uh, radio podcast, but I know that they were very popular, and or I just called it a podcast for God's sake. <laughs> it was like a uh, early podcast. Yeah, early. This <laughs> is like a yeah. No, it was a radio drama. Totally. I mean, radio like drama, yeah. there was a lot of those. It's just a genre that went away, but um, we kind of replaced it. Um, yeah, uh, but very, very cool. I liked the movies I saw. I would like to see more of them. I saw the, the funniest name ever one of them is it's called the death pillow the death it's called pillow. the death pillow i mean that like, sounds like a joke does it smother you or do you just yeah like, it's okay. it's literally just about it's it's a murder mystery story about people getting serial smothered and it's not even supposed to be funny like it's not it's like <laughs> okay. it's so funny like so? how how dumb that title is and like it's actually kind of a good movie it's kind of like, glorious I, yeah <laughs> i, I <laughs> Like, did they not realize that that sounds real stupid? Yeah. <laughs> the Death Pillow and the other one was, uh, I think it was called Voodoo Woman. Um, and it was Okay, cool well, too. that one could go in a number of different directions. <laughs> yeah. I, I preferred the Death Pillow. but um, Of course. How could you not? <laughs> right. But yeah, Twilight Zone was on Netflix forever. And it was such yes. a comfort show. Oh, my God. My, me and my I wife. I many people call it a comfort show. <laughs> Oh man, it's yeah. that's like a hundred percent what it was for me. Like that, like people, but people have their comfort shows. You know, you've oh, yeah. watched them a million times. People, uh, like frequently, I hear people say that about The Office or Parks and Rec or Seinfeld or you know Friends or you know it's just something that was like you know your <clears throat> your show you loved and you could watch endlessly on yes. repeat, and never get yeah. sick of. And we all have those comfort shows. And the way we would use them is like you know if we're kind of too tired to watch something or whatever it's like oh let's just throw something on it's been a long day who cares if we fall asleep you know it's not a big deal and then you know we throw on some something like that but oh my god like twilight zone was always one of those things i it i do have the the entire collection on blu-ray but it is just not as convenient as being able to go on to netflix that was the fun on paramount plus now so i can I have Paramount. Oh, Plus. it is. Yeah, because I love Yellowstone, so I got that and was like, oh, I got a bonus. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> it's a total geek fest. It's got Star Trek and the Twilight Zone, so I yeah. have Paramount Plus. But nice. Um, yeah, that's really great. I'm glad yeah. you said that. I did not realize that. Mm-hmm. that that's where it went. Oh, so now when I'm like, I'm cool. eating lunch by myself or something, I'm like, okay, yeah. time for Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's pretty cool. But I just I love it because. Um, they always had a different twist on what would at first appear to be a familiar story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the funny thing is like the ones that were my favorite were the ones that were like almost ordinary. Like, um, I don't know the I don't know the titles that well, but there was an episode about a little boy with a possessive grandmother and she dies and she's trying to kill the grandson so he could be with her. So he can be with her. Yeah. And that one, like, 
I watched that and I had nightmares. Like, oh my God, that's so scary. Because like the main characters were trying to save the little boy who's basically trying to commit suicide because of the grandmother's, yep. you know, things like that. And of course, to serve man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love to serve man. <laughs> with, so... with Richard Keel as one yes. of the aliens. Yeah. And then Robbie McDowell in the zoo. <laughs> Such a good time. <laughs> awesome stuff. Um, yeah. I so okay so I was gonna I was gonna ask your top three so that's I guess those are my top three <laughs> nice um let's see there are there really are so many good ones um and to try to dodge some of the classics is also hard because they do tend to be classics for a good reason but yeah um I really like there's I'm I'm also not going to be able to come up with all the titles but um there's an episode um with rod taylor who is the guy who he, he was in a lot of movies um in the 60s he was just a a, a a pretty successful straight man handsome dude type hero type guy and um he he was in the time machine he was in the classic time machine movies, okay, main, right. main actor in that and um and he comes back from outer space and um He's lying in bed and they're like, oh, you know, he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my. I'm back. I'm back. We, we landed OK. And clearly there was calamity and we, you know, we don't quite understand yet. And they're like, yes, yes, you're OK. You're OK. And he's like, oh, and, and what about what about my my crew? And they're like, yes, yes. Um, you know, you know, Tom, oh. I'm just going to make up these names. Tom is OK and John is OK. And he's like, well, what about Jack? And they're like, yes. who's Jack? And they're like, he's like my third crewman and they're like no there there was no fourth crewman there's there's just you and two other guys and he's and like no no we had four it was four of us and he goes around yeah. the whole day trying to see if anybody remembers this fourth this fourth member of his crew and and it, he's going insane and and it's like no there's never been a fourth member there, there there's only three of you and then the next and he goes he goes to falls asleep finally and he wakes up the next morning and he finds that now only now people only remember that there was three people on the crew. That one was terrifying. And every episode, every night, he wakes up the next morning, and there's one less, per one fewer crew member on the ship until he that doesn't one, exist either. Yeah, that's such a good episode. That was just the ultimate in you know. Break you are mind. it's the marching clock you are not winning this you are just <laughs> waiting it out and and there is no answer there is no answer and i think that that is great with a lot of twilight zone ones you're you're not really worried about it making sense it's mm -hmm. just about the, you know twisting the knife and the irony and the um the situation of how weird it is just it, it it's okay that it's weird and it doesn't make sense it's the point it, it tells you in the intro, you know, it's like, so that one's a really good one. Really creepy one. I think no one ever talks about. I also love this one called Midnight Sun. Yes. And, um, oh, you remember that one? Yes, I do. <laughs> I'd see to me, that is the scariest one to me. Yeah. And this is like, you know, they've, they, they, they say that like, I don't know, the earth's gravitational pole changed or something and and we're, we're we're now we're spinning too close to the sun basically right. and we uh you know it's so hot that you know nobody can 
exist. We're just going to die. Just We're all worse just going to die. And yeah. Worse. And it's this this woman who's alone in a in her apartment building. Most people have left, but you know, you hear on the radio there's there's nowhere to go to. There's nowhere right. to go to. And uh, people are trying to escape, but it's futile. And she knows it's futile. And so she's trying to ration the water and fruit juice that she has left. And she knows she's not going to survive, but, you know, you still got to, you know, try to ration it for to stay alive and stay comfortable as long as you can. And there's this old lady who didn't leave the building. And, oh, my God, what a what a brutal and then, episode. And then the and end. That, the end. And the end. Is like, I mean, oh, the no. end is like. It's just one of my favorite Twilight Zone ends. Yeah. It just is. She wakes up and it was all a dream. And for one second, you're like, oh, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. And then she opens the window and everything, instead of being sweltering and hot, it's frozen. And so in reality, it was the opposite. The The thing that happened happened, only instead of taking us closer to the sun, we're actually drifting farther away and we're going to freeze. Right, and they just end it like that, and it's, it's just—I like, oh. mean, my God! I remember I my, it, my stomach just dropped. It just like, oh, it was awful. Absolutely, but some Absolutely. of them were like really interesting because there was one where it was um, uh, William Shatner and his wife. They're driving through this town, and they stop, and there's like this little thing on the table that tells you fortune. Yes, and they, yes. And then they take it, and I love the ending to that one. They just had to stop taking the fortunes essentially it was like yeah oh, I, I like that ending <laughs> you know i don't recall how that one plays out exactly i do remember like he, it he becomes obsessed with it like right everything every fortune turns out to be true and in the end they have to decide if they're going to take like the last fortune or if they're just going to live their lives and, and not know what calamitous things going to happen right okay and, they, and i was like okay i kind of dig that ending yeah but he also did night gallery rod serling it's Correct. Yeah. Really intense. <laughs> I I I never got to see too many of those. Night Gallery wasn't as readily available. I really wanted to see it after mm -hmm. getting into Twilight Zone. I think it was briefly available on Prime or something. I don't know if it's available now. I think I think they had added it to Prime and then took it away like very very quickly. And they did the same thing on Prime with the Outer Limits. Same thing. Oh, yeah. That's a good suggestion. That was there for a short time. And I was like, oh, cool. I can see the Outer Limits. And um, I only got to see a handful of episodes. But then it was like, oh, yeah, no, it's gone now. It's That's like, a what? good show. That was like on one of my local stations when I was a kid. So I'd always catch like, like half an episode here, mm. half an episode there. And it was like always, always a mind bender. And those were, yeah, I mean, that show was a, a, a great companion piece because it's sci-fi. It's more sci-fi. Yes. Yeah. And obviously there were some sci-fi episodes of The Twilight Zone, but it's not primarily. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm I a fan. I'm a fan yeah. of all that. It's great, great TV from back in the day. And uh, I think I think deserving of its reputation as a classic for sure. Oh, for sure. And you oh, yeah. start to, you know, there are certain actors that got to do one, like Rod's, uh, Rod, uh, Taylor, Rod Taylor. I was only, all I could come up with was Serling, <laughs> like uh, Oliver Reed. No, 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 not yeah. Oliver Reed. Either. Um, and then, and then, you know, Shatner did two, Burgess Meredith did three, uh, Jack Klugman from the odd couple oh, did, yeah. I think three, I'm pretty sure Jack Klugman did three. Um, okay. and, uh, 
you you start to see like you know some of these some of these actors and then like uh one of one of them i'll i'll Robert shout out redford was in one oh was he yeah he was in one it was about this woman who was terrified of death because she knew death was going to come and take her and he was like this guy that was kind of like helping her out and uh it was a good episode it was like one of the gentle episodes still terrifying i'm not sure if i remember that one yeah because i was watching it going like he looks awfully familiar I'm like, oh my god he's the guy from the thing <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah I, I don't know i i love um i'm a big fan of you know from bewitched the lady who is the the annoying bitchy mom Andorra. oh what, agnes moorhead agnes moorhead right yeah she's she awesome did a good episode she did a gr- she did a great episode. Yes. I love that episode. That one's called The Invaders. Yeah. And uh that has an excellent twist and she's basically in her house and she's uh invaded upon by a very teeny tiny UFO. Very small, looks like a toy UFO and the, she spends the episode which has zero dialogue and it's just her battling this invading force of this tiny ufo and then finally at the end the thing uh lands and uh little astronauts come out and they take off their helmets and they're human and for the first time we hear dialogue and it's them speaking english so if she had spoken it would have given it away that she wasn't from earth she would she shouldn't have been speaking any known language she, right. It wasn't Earth. She was a giant from some other planet that looks like a human. That's like a giant, and it was just such a great episode. Also, she's in a great um, Vincent Price movie. Oh, really? Which one? The The Bat. Oh. I like to actually say that Vincent Price is in a great Agnes Moorhead movie. Yeah, I think that's probably more. He'd probably say it that way. He definitely would, because honestly, he's really not in it that much. It's really her movie. She's like the main character all the way through. She's from the town next door to me, Clinton, Mass. Really? Yeah. So I always tell people that because it's my lame. It's like a. It's my lame claim to fame, basically. It's well, like Claude Rains was buried, like is buried in New Hampshire. So we're always like, yeah, Claude Rains. What? Yeah. <laughs> Why? That's know, was... he had a place in New Hampshire. I guess he liked it. I'm like, okay. We'll that blows it. my mind. He's English. Yeah. What? Wow. Hey, New Hampshire's nice. You can be buried here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just that I don't know nothing yeah. against New Hampshire. That's still shocking. I was shocked too. I live here, and I was like, why? <laughs> right? Why? Uh, of course, Claude Rains is the Invisible Man. Yes. 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 Yeah. So. so the first Invisible Man, the second Invisible Man was Vincent Price. Everything Vincent Price. Vincent Price. <laughs> awesome stuff. Um, Killarney, it's been super fun. Um, Thank you for coming on our show, our little, our little dank, dirty show in in the dark that you've been just putting up this whole time. Remember, folks, sh- there's no lights down there. We set yeah. that up in the beginning. That was Chekhov's gun. The Chekhov's gun was the fact that I didn't bother to turn the lights on because I didn't feel like it because yeah. I'm a jerk. <laughs> so thank you for putting up with all that. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, again, it's kind of difficult speaking in the dark, especially reading a book in the dark. But uh, I don't even know how you did it. I don't, I don't know, know either. Maybe, uh, maybe like you, little ice on my shirt. Did you like that? I mean, there's probably methane down there from all the decomposing previous guests. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's quite ripe, and uh, and I'm not quite sure if if the rats have become my pet or. If oh right, we're calling them rats. Yeah, right, right. I'm it's not the, quite sure which way that went. But, rats. Um, yeah, <laughs> at least the nibbling has somewhat 
<laughs> someone's decided uh well thank you very much if if there's any anything you want to promote right now is the time to do it and tell people where they can find you and anything that you got coming up or anything you want people to know that we haven't already covered oh yeah so, now's the time um, so i am writing a few more books uh if you want to check out what i already have please visit my website at www.kalarnitrainer.com i am also on facebook uh instagram and threads now that's a thing i guess and <laughs> I do have the new audiobooks. So if you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to listen to your books, A Tale Half Told is available in audio. And shortly, hopefully, the rest of the series will be available in audio as well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely do that. And you have signed copies of your books are available on your website. I saw that, right? Yes, you can get signed copies and get the little books, the you know, the pocket size books. I also have some of them in hardcover just because I like hardcover too, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you can order the books. And if you sign up on my newsletter, you'll find out when my new stuff is coming out. So awesome. So definitely do that guys. Killarney trainer. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. This was a blast and she definitely deserves a look. She's great. She's awesome. She does so much stuff. We didn't even get to really talk too much about PNN, but you are really, really hilarious as Lenore on that <laughs> show. You. And you've been on, I think I heard somewhere that you were like the most guest appearances. I don't know if that's true at this point now. It but... actually wasn't. I was flattered. Like almost everyone thought I was. I'm like, no, there's, there's actually another uh, lady who's been actually on more than me. But I think everyone just remembers Lenore. Lenore. <laughs> yeah. well, and the, I mean, she the... did clone herself in an episode. So I think technically. <laughs> I saw that one. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that one. And uh, yeah, well, the funny thing is that like she's very much like this goth, like, you know, Lydia from Beetlejuice meets Daria type character, which is basically yeah. the antithesis of you. Because yeah. like, I don't think I've seen your face without, without a smile on it, just in general. And Lenore yeah. would never be caught dead smiling. Oh, no, no, Lenore does not smile. Lenore does not appreciate emotion of any kind. She really resents being on PNN. <laughs> So, so what would Lenore say if she was down in the brig right now? She'd be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, let's get out of here. I, uh, that just about wraps up the episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you've enjoyed <laughs> this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you've heard, please hit that little subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as being part of the Inebriart Podcast Network's Ret Retro Redoxbus is a full-fledged member of the Dorkening. So if you get a chance, please check out some of our sister shows like Let's Not with Michelle and Sam, Splash Pages, Bear at Night, Nerds of Unusual Origin, or Talking Game and Tech, Hooked on Movies. Oh, hey, I mean, there's like 30 shows on the network, 30 plus shows on the network. There's like a ton. So I'm sure you'll find something besides our show that you may like. Maybe not as much. I mean, Obviously probably not. not. It's probably... I mean probably impossible but for more information or to subscribe to us or any of these great shows please visit thedorkening.com and be sure to check out our killer sponsors deadly grounds copy coffee they don't no it's coffee they don't make copies it's coffee and it's coffee to die for i have been your mush mouth and host my name is parasite steve aka steve ann sampson it's indeed a sad thing your adventures have ended here and we'll see you later good night
more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.